All right, here we go. So one of the things that I find like beautiful, even poetic about everything that we're talking about here, about all of these grand, glorious things that we're talking about is how ordinary everything that we're talking about actually is. So we can talk about grand, glorious things like guarding the witness of the gospel or helping each other grow into maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or we think about how we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, and yet somehow I'm responsible, I'm like the the means sovereignly provided by God to help my brother or sister grow in this way, and it's mind-blowing in its magnitude, in its weightiness, and yet... In practice, it's remarkably ordinary. Uh, maybe it's because it's the South. Maybe it's because of the questionable company I keep. Um, but a lot of the... Uh, um, I, I can go through a long line of spiritually significant conversations that all happened in the same place. Um, as a 15-year-old new believer, we were standing around the back of my uncle's truck when he handed me a copy of A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God, He said, this is good stuff. That's not what he said. But, and then he read a, he said, we read a passage from it that he had marked up, and he told me to read it. Um, I can't even count the number of intentional spiritual conversations I had with a simple construction worker mentor of mine, uh, and we still occasionally have from time to time around the back of his pickup truck. Uh, One further, we were standing in the parking lot of the Publix on 20, um, around the back of my truck, when my mom told me one time, God is still working in your life. I callously replied, I don't think I believe that anymore. And she said, that doesn't mean it's not true. Just standing around the back of the truck. Uh, I was around the back of my pickup truck for two and a half hours in a quick trip parking lot that I had a conversation with another brother about how Christians should, in fact, attend church. Two and a half hour conversation in a quick trip parking lot with another brother. Even still, today, it's not uncommon for uh, the brothers around us to be catching up on life, spur one another on, standing in someone's driveway, just around the back of the truck. So we're talking about grand, glorious things, and yet it's remarkably Ordinary, encouragement, prodding questions, warning of sin, reminders of grace, grand, glorious, weighty, sanctifying, sin-killing, spirit-wrought, Christ-conforming, God-glorifying things happening in the most mundane and ordinary ways. And through very ordinary people of God. Heavy equipment operator, a construction contractor, a mom, a simple pool guy, and so on. You, the ordinary member in the congregation, you are one of the God-given means to help those around you, help those people around you follow Jesus better, and you need the people around you to help you grow more conformed to the image of Christ. So, how can we do this more and more? Uh, One of the ways we talk about this is in language of head, heart, hands. Head knowledge, what are the truths that we should know? Heart, what kind of desires should these truths produce in me? What kind of sin and idolatry does this root out in me? How ought this truth change the things that I cherish? 
And then finally, hands. What action does this lead me to? What should I do? My job is to talk practical, and I will get to some of that. But frankly, the practical part of all of this is very, very easy. Um, My job is to talk practical, but the mechanics of this aren't that difficult for you to figure out once you've simply settled the head and the heart piece that we're talking about here. So I begin by simply reiterating, number one, the head, the mind, the truth. Settle that life-on-life discipleship is biblically necessary. Settle that. No more conversations about, like, well, do I have to or whatever. Like, settle that Jesus... Uh, Jesus has called us to this, the Hebrews passage. It's sobering to me. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. That's what can happen, okay? Um, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So one of the God-ordained ways that he has... Uh, provided for us to persevere in the faith, for us to be eternally secure, is the other people around us that are going to keep us from being hardened by sin. First Peter also, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. <coughs> Search the scriptures for yourself and see your responsibility for others in the family of God and see their responsibility for you. Just settle that part of it. Because then it's not whether we're going to do it, it's how are we going to do it. Secondly, heart. Openly, deeply, repeatedly confront the heart issues. Like Go back to that barrier slide. We can email it out. Um, Go back to Ken's slide on barriers. Look it over. Add to it your own barriers. Sit down with one or two others and ask that question again. Because I know sitting around a table here, uh, some of us don't want to share like the deep barriers and idolatries there. So get get around with another brother or sister and go through that again. Third, heart. Stir your affections for doing this work. This heart work isn't just about repentance. It's not just about turning from the wrong things. It's also about turning to the right things. Stir up your heart a genuine love for your brothers and sisters that overcomes whatever hurdles may come up. Something that makes you think, man, I know I'm busy, but I love that brother. I need to make time to go see how he's doing. Let genuine affection grow in you and propel you. Four. Heart and hands. This is, the, this is the, 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 the crux of the matter here, right? The timepiece. Ken has already said that the formula for life-on-life discipleship is very simple. Time together plus intentional spiritual conversation equals life transformation. And I'd venture to say, for most of us, it's the time part that trips us up. And so, just some thoughts. Again, if we settle, if you settle... that this is biblically necessary, and you wrestle with that in your heart, then you figure out the time part, right? Um, Thoughts. A, just consider your priorities. You guys know what I mean with this point. Like You know um, what it means to prioritize the things in your life that are most important, like seeing your brother or sister better conform to the image of Christ. Um, Sometimes some things just need to get cut out of our schedule because there's better things to do. 
So reflect on that, reflect well on that, and have those conversations in community because sometimes our brothers or sisters see that in our lives better than we do. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, uh, but when it comes to money, if I'm not intentional about my money, it won't go to the things that I want it to go to, right? Like, it'll come in, and then at, like a, a month later or whatever, like, where did, all the, where did the money go? We had it set aside for this, this, and that. Um, so because of that, we put a budget in place so that it's intentional, right? The same thing holds true for our time. If we're not intentional about it, uh, if we're not intentional about what our priorities are for our time, then it'll just get uh, wasted away on all of the urgent things and, and sometimes important things, but not the best and most important things. B, combine time. <coughs> Often we get in this rut of thinking that we have to just add something to our schedule to do this. Like, oh, more on my plate, more on my plate. When, if we're intentional, if we're convicted of the need for life on life, and if we have a heart that wants to figure it out, then we can do a good deal of life on life without adding anything to our schedule. Mark Dever says in that book, Discipling, how then do you impact others? How, do you, how then do you impact how others live? By spending time with them. Elizabeth invites Kate over to talk while she does her baking. Michael has Stephen join his family for dinner and then lets him watch as he leads his children in family worship. So much of discipling is doing what you ordinarily do, but bringing people along with you and having meaningful conversations just like Jesus did. So, combined time, meals. I've quoted this before. I've received some pushback on it. I still stand by the point. We all have to eat. Most of us eat 21 meals per week. Find a way to eat sometimes. Sometimes Find a way to eat with another person. Uh, Invite a family from your base group over for something easy, some easy weeknight meal. Then you get to spend time with them, and you also serve them because now they don't have to cook that night. They're over there, and so you're both going to eat, eat together. Also, it's in the Bible. It's a biblical imperative. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Two, uh, errands. Do errands together. Invite someone along to, to the mechanic while you wait for your oil change. Go to Costco together with someone else. Just don't take Trent. He'll make you buy stuff for him. Run, but run your errands together. Just say, hey, I have to go get this thing done. Can you want to ride along? Um, work. Do laundry together. Do, do yard work together. Do housework together. I, when we were, uh, we're, we still are, uh, renovating my house, um, <laughs> the, uh, we, we were constantly encouraged by the other brothers in my group being around constantly and talking constantly uh, through, as, as we're just doing the work of renovating my house for three years. Um, <laughs> and then waiting times, baseball practice, carpool, the DMV. Like, take someone, your, your kid has baseball practice. Take, take another brother along with you to that. Hey, I have to sit here and watch my kid do baseball practice. We can sit there and talk on the side of the fence over there. Um, or I'm going to pick up my kid from school. Do you want to ride along? Or... If you're really important, then I'll go to the DMV with you. <laughs> I know, so like, listen though, I know, some of you think this sounds weird, right? Like, it sounds weird to be like, hey man, are you around? 
I have to go to the grocery store. You want to join? It's like, nah, man, you go do your errands. My wife already gave me my own list, right? You go handle yours. Um, or, hey, I've got to go to the DMV. Do you want to tag along? No. <laughs> that sounds weird. I, like, I, one more. I got a bunch of cinder blocks being delivered this Saturday that I need to move around back. Do you, can you come? You think it sounds weird, but it's not the point. The point is spending more time together so you can have more spiritually significant conversation. If it sounds weird, then just be weird, because I'll tell you right now. If you're here and you're an older brother, okay, you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, you've been married for longer than I've been alive, you've raised kids, and you tell me that I can hang out with you and pick your brain if I just move some cinder blocks around, I'm there for that, okay? I'm there for that. And I think most of the other younger folks here would agree, uh, if you're struggling, if you're overwhelmed, if you say, hey, I've got to go pick up this thing we bought on Craigslist, can you come along? I'm there for that too, right? Like, I'll ride, around, I'll ride along with you if it gives us the opportunity to talk about the thing that you're struggling with. So yeah, set a coffee time, sure, but don't be afraid to combine time with things that you're already doing. Last, make the best use of, not my last point, I don't want to say, no, no. Make the best use of times together, okay? Linger after church. We're all coming together here. Linger after church. Have a conversation at base group. When you're there and it's like that informal time, the task-oriented people, hey, it's like, what are we doing? Let's get down to it. Let's chop, let's go. Uh, linger, have a conversation. Have spiritually significant conversations. Informal times during your base group meeting are important. But these times of informal mingling are significantly important. In fact, some of the best life-on-life -life conversation that we have in our group occurs after the formal discussion time. That's just the reality of it. Uh, five, have intentional spiritual conversation. Make sure to talk about Jesus. Talking about my job, my kids, my football team, that's all well and good. But have in intentional spiritual conversation. What has the Lord been teaching you in the Word? How can I be praying for you? Things like that. Uh, be, put some structure where you need it. If you need to read through something together with someone, read through. If you need to read through a book together, read through. Um, and then lastly, have the tough conversations. Don't shy away from the awkward, tough conversations. Ask the hard questions. Graciously call out sin. Poke, poke and prod at apathy. Love your brother or sister more than your own comfort, have those tough conversations. So, I'm done. <laughs>